That was so nice. You can take a seat. That was one of the nice. I said it to the last service. Like, if I jumped on the plane just because of that intro, it was worth it for me. I don't know if you're going to leave church encouraged, but I am. That was really, really nice. It was so kind of Pastor Billy uh, to say those nice things about me. Again, as he said, I met him 10 years ago. I was a teenager serving in a church in Las Vegas. There is a lot of things in church. There's a lot of things in the in Vegas outside of sin in the strip clubs and the casinos. There's actually churches and schools, and I know it's crazy, and that's where I was at, and every year he would come, and I remember seeing him. He was, before he was a senior pastor here, building an incredible church, and I just want to say this before I go further. What God is doing in this church is so incredible. It's not normal. As a guy that goes on planes and travels and speaks, I can tell you what I see God doing here is an amazing. The hand of God is on this church. The hand of God is on this leadership. The hand of God is on you guys, so let's just give it up for what God is doing here at this incredible church. But before this church existed, before he came to Buffalo, New York, or or it's not actually Buffalo, what's the actual city? What's Fredonia. He was in California. And it, and I saw where he was at church. It was beautiful. God literally had to call him here. And before he was a senior pastor, before he was a senior pastor, he was a successful youth pastor and he was building a youth ministry. Not that just impacted a lot of students. It impacted student pastors. Billy Heather and his incredible wife, Randy, was building something that was inspiring people. And even me, when I was a teenager, I would meet them every summer. And my goal was just to get in front of them. I just wanted to get acknowledged by them. Like, hey, hey, Billy, tell me a piece of advice of what I can be doing as a young man. He was like, read your Bible and brush your teeth. You're going to be okay. I'm like, okay, Billy, I'm going to do those two things, you know. And just to see what God has done in his life and what God is doing in his wife's life, not just them together as a couple, but even individually, you can see the distinct hand of God is on each and every one of them to do what he's calling them to do now. And so thank you for being an incredible church and allowing your pastors to take a break. I told this to the last service. I've been to a lot of churches that don't even let their senior pastors take a break. They want their senior pastor to be there every weekend. They don't even show up every weekend and they want their senior pastor to be there. So thank you for being an incredible church to allow your pastor to get away for the next two weeks, just to get some vision, to get rejuvenated and get excited to come back. And so before we go further, can we just bow our heads and pray for them really quick? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Pastor Billy. We thank you for Randy. We just pray that you continue to strengthen them, God. I pray that you give them vision for the next season of not just their ministry, but their life, their family. God, this church, God, we just pray and just plead the blood of Jesus from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, Lord. We just cover them. We cover their mind. We cover their spirit. We cover their home. We cover their finances. God, we thank you for great leaders, Lord. We just thank you for a fruitful marriage. We just thank you for a fruitful ministry, God. We just thank you for anything that they're going through, God. We know that you've already met them. You've already been their provision, Lord. So we just thank you for our leaders in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. You should always pray for your leaders. You really, really should. Being a senior pastor is really, really hard. You literally speak to God's people on the behalf of God. That's a lot of pressure. And so be praying for your pastors. I really do believe that sometimes I was raised by a black woman. I don't know if that's a surprise to you. I am black. So um, my mom would tell me all the time. She was like, spiritual attacks are real. It really is. And so one of those things that you would hear people say this, like, I feel your prayers. I sense your prayers. Your pastors sense your prayers. So be praying for them. 
that's the least you can do. You're driving to work. You're driving on the way to work out or doing whatever you're doing. Just, hey, God, I thank you for Pastor Billy. I thank you for Pastor Randy. I, I pray that you continue to speak, be with them. I pray you continue to strengthen them. Those prayers go a long way. Um, but outside of them, I just want to thank God for them. Um, I, as he said, I'm married to an incredible woman. Her name is Victoria Rowland. She's not here. She's at home watching. So she's watching with the online community. Can we give it up for the online community? Hello, Victoria, my wife. If there's another Victoria that's not my wife, hello to you too. God has a man for you too, Victoria, coming to you. So um, I don't have a kid. Maybe there's someone watching right now. You never know. You were believing for that word. That's why you clicked that video. Um, I don't have kids, but I do have a cool little dog. And so I feel like I should talk about him. He's small. He's black, just like his father. So his name is Ghost after the Holy Ghost. We're a spiritual home, okay? So that's all that we have going on in our home. And outside of that, addition to traveling, as Pastor Billy said, um, I started a nonprofit called the Blackwell Edwards Foundation. I'm going to talk a lot more about it at the end of the service. But to give you a picture of what it is, is that it's a nonprofit that serves people that experience uh, mass shootings. That's something I experienced. I lost my brother and I lost six other family members in a mass shooting in 2017. And it was all over the news. And it was something that a lot of people posted about. A lot of people briefly prayed about. But as you would imagine, it was replaced by the next headline, the next shooting. Five months later, while living in North Carolina, Vegas became famous for something outside of sin. It got famous because the biggest shooting in American history happened October 1st of 2017, where someone killed, I believe, 60 people, injured 463. And so we see shootings are prevalent, and they happen so much, and they've happened in even in this city about six months ago, what happened at the Topps grocery store. That's actually what I'm so grateful for your church about and your pastors, is that when it happened, Pastor Billy actually got me connected to a pastor named Pastor Mark Rouse, who flew me out here to be with some of the families. And so what's so cool about your pastor is is that he's not just preaching about being there for people, he's actually there for people. So just give it up for Pastor Billy, just because it's those secret things, you know. That's why you bring guest speaker in, just to talk about them and give them compliments. But um, w- what I've been doing over the last five months since since the Buffalo shooting is starting a process of starting a nonprofit that helps those like me, helps those that have gone through that. So when something like a shooting in Uvalde happens or something in the shooting like another city happens, there's already something that exists that can champion those families that can be there for those victims, be there for those churches, those schools, it's because it changes people's world forever. And so that's what we're doing. That's where I'm starting. If the Lord puts it on your heart to give, I really encourage you to give because everyone can pray for things, but church, this thing's cost money. So if God calls you to give, I want you to give. But other than that, who's excited for the word of God? You guys excited? Um, last service, I preached a different message, and there's some people from the last service came back for the first service. Thank you. Welcome back. And for the people who didn't come last service, why y'all sleep in? What y'all going through? You know, y'all should have came last service. We're having fun. But um, we have another service. I'm preaching a different message, so if that does go online, you can watch it. But this service, God gave me a specific word for anyone in this room that may be going through a stressful season, you know? Stress is real. Stress is real. God saved you from sin, but he didn't save you from stress. And I think we all know that. And I think sometimes God can have a specific word specifically for people that are going through that. And I believe I have that for you. So if you have your Bibles, and even if you don't, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, verse 39 through 46. And it reads this. It says, and he came out and went as it was his custom 
to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples follow him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. I want to preach a simple message entitled a stressful prayer, a stressful prayer. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you just for your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you for all the incredible things you're doing here in this church, Lord. The things you're doing, not just in the leadership, but the things you're doing in the community, Lord for the families that are being blessed, for the finances that are being blessed, for the visions you're restoring. God, we just thank you for this church, Lord. And I just pray that this message falls on good soil, Lord, and produces a harvest in those that hear it. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, everybody said, amen. Amen. And can we give it up for the worship team? Give it up for the worship team. And when I first started serving in the church, I served in the back of the house, and I won't lie. When a video starts tripping, it's only for about 10 seconds, but it's the worst 10 seconds of their life. It's a hard fear. It's hard fear. So when they can flip it that quick, they deserve some praise. Can we give it up for them real quick? I see you. I remember that that anxiety is real for 10 seconds. They're back there like, no, what's going on? What's going on? The devil's winning. No, he's not. He's not winning. So um, I'm so excited to be with you guys this morning, and I really did feel, and I, and I told the last service this, I never ever do this. I never switch services pretty much because like, I, I like memorizing my messages, and the idea of memorizing two messages is really, really hard for me, but when God has an assignment, he will give you a grace beyond your capacity, and so I really did feel like this service, that God had a specific word for some people in this room, and I wanted to talk about the life of Jesus in a way that a lot of people may not talk about the life of Jesus, and I'm an Enneagram 5 wing 4, if you're into personality tests, like you shouldn't be because God's made you who you are, you're not a number, but for those that follow a personality test, I won't lie, the Enneagram is probably the closest thing I've ever taken, and I'm like, this really did help me. I read it, and it helps me. I'm a researcher. That's what it categorizes me as. I'm a person that I I love reading. I love processing. I love studying, and one of the things that a person like me may not like, and once I say this, you may agree with me. You probably have never thought this before, but once I say it, you're going to think to yourself that, yeah, this is actually insane. Jesus was always the plan. Like, I want you to know this. Even before Adam and Eve, Jesus was the plan. All throughout the Old Testament, it's pointing to a man. This man is Jesus. Jesus is the savior of our sin. And I've always thought this, even as a kid, when I would read, especially after I got saved, it's so insane that the Old Testament is pointing to a book, is pointing to a man. The New Testament introduces this man, but we really only get the details of three and a half of years of his life. And I think that's insane. All of Old Testament pointing to one person. And then we show up, Matthew, Mark, Luke. They're the only books to talk about his birth. John doesn't even think it's important. In the book of John, open up John 1. You won't even see the birth of Jesus in there. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they put the birth, and then it jumps into year 30, where he starts his ministry. And then from year 30 to year 33, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm the kind of person that wants to know about the other 30 years. Because when I read about him stepping on water, 
It's powerful to me, but it doesn't resonate with my life. I would love to see Jesus in his nine to five. I would love to see Jesus hang around somebody in his family that he doesn't like. That would help me out when I happen to be around family members. You know, those ones, the ones that you're like, God, why did you create them, Lord? And are, they, are you sure that they're related to me? You know, those family members. I would love to see the normal side of Jesus. Because I know we're all spiritual in this room and we love the story of feeding 5,000. We love the story of him bringing people back from the dead. We love the stories that inspire our faith. But let's be honest, in our life, how often do you see that happening in your life? You kind of read these stories in the Bible and then you look at your life and there's a big discrepancy, isn't it? Because you're like, I don't see manna raining down. I don't see dead people coming back to life. I don't see withered hands being made whole, at least not in my life, maybe in a third world country, but that's not happening at my job. All I have is a bad manager and a person that doesn't know their breath stinks. That's all I got going on. And I need help with that. I need help with my kids. I need help with my bills. I need help with the real life. And I look at the Bible and sometimes it's really powerful, but is it real life? Sometimes I think we feel this way. And every now and again, when I'm reading about the life of Jesus, I love stumbling on the parts of him that are actually more human. Now, he's 100% God, yet 100% man. And a lot of us like the 100% God part because that inspires our faith. It builds your faith. It makes you get excited. These are the reasons we sing our songs. These are the the reasons we write our books and preach these sermons. It's the divinity of God, the power of God. The human side is the... That's what me and you have. No one writes parts about that song. No one writes songs about that part of our life. No one writes the parts about the human side of God, but the human side of God actually can resonate with us. This prayer that I read today is probably the most human prayer Jesus ever prayed. He's prayed a lot of prayers. He's prayed prayers that's got the enemy to resist him. He's prayed prayers that cause dead people to come alive. He's prayed prayers that multiplied bread. And we've prayed all miracle prayers like that before. But the prayer that he prayed this time was the most human prayer I've ever seen Jesus pray. And what's interesting is that this is the day before he died. The whole Old Testament, again, like I said, Jesus was the whole plan. The whole plan for was him for was for him to die. That was the whole plan. And this is the day before the plan is about to be fulfilled, the day before he's about to cross the finish line, he's about to finally be crucified. And you would think the night before would be him getting pumped up like a game. You would think the night before the prayer he's going to pray to God would be one of strength, one of vigor, one of excitement, one of gratitude, one of I'm so excited. God, make me strong. Give me words. Give me revelation. But the prayer that he prays the day before he dies is Jesus. He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. The cup he's referring to is the cup in the Old Testament as the wrath of God, the fury of God. He was was talking about, take this call from me. But here's the interesting thing. Who could Jesus give the cup to? Who would be worthy to take this cup that Jesus was trying to pray? It'll be one thing to pray a prayer and there's someone that actually could do it. But Jesus is praying a prayer that he knows God's not going to answer. Because there's no one worthy, Jesus. There's no one else that's perfect, Jesus. 
There's no one else that has a miracle that came from a miracle birth, Jesus. There's no one from the lineage of David, Jesus. There's no one that's been prophesied over, Jesus. There's no one that's fulfilled all these prophecies at the right time in the right place. There's no one. But right now, you're wishing that there was someone else that could take the only thing that you could do. I think that's so human because if we're honest, there's people in this room that you wish you could give away what you have right now. You didn't know that marriage was going to take this much out of you. You didn't know family was going to take this much out of you. You didn't know building this business was going to take this much out of you. Following Jesus, trying to be pure, trying to be pure. You didn't even know how much that was going to take out of you. And it does something. Even though you're winning, even though you're almost there, even though it's the day before the breakthrough, even, for, even though it's the day before the promise being fulfilled, even though you're right there, the stress can cause you to say, God, I want to give this away. I know so many Christians, not even Christians, so many people that internally they're wishing they could just give it away. It's just, I can't handle this anymore. It's so much work. I'm so tired. And I can understand why Jesus prayed this prayer. This is the same night, mind you, where he's sitting down with his friends and he says, one of you going to betray me. And all of them start questioning themselves. Which shows us that it was just Judas who did it, but it wasn't just Judas who thought it. Because all of the disciples were like, is it me? So all of them had a little bit of a betrayer in them. Judas was just the only friend that actually followed through and betrayed his friend. So the night before you die, the closest people to you are betraying you. Then Peter, Peter is actually going to deny you. So you got people that know you, betraying you, and people that you call denying you. And then you got to die for them tomorrow. It's the weight of the people that we do it for. There's some people in this room, you've been betrayed and it hurts. And that's why you want to give your cup away. There's some people in this room, you've been denied and it hurts. And that's why you want to give your cup away. Everyone will go through a season where we want to give our cup away. But just know that your cup is called to you. It's your cup. You can pray it away all you want. Those are your kids. Pray as much as you want. God, I pray for a new father. That's you. You got to have a new attitude. You can pray as much as you want. That's your calling. You can't pray it away. You can take it to God, but you can't pray it away. Seeing Jesus do this is insane. What, what, what I find so interesting about this verse is the Bible says that he prays and then the angels come and strengthen him. So what shows is that when you pray, you get strength. The most practical part of the sermon is this. Go home and pray about it. And sometimes we think strongly thinking is the same as praying. It's not. This is not prayer. And I'm thinking about every way this is going to suck. <laughs> and I'm thinking about why isn't God showing up? And I'm thinking if he knows everything, he knows about what I'm going through. So I don't have to pray because I'm thinking about it. 
No, that's thinking. Prayer is, God, I don't even want to do what you gave me to do, but please give me the strength to do it. I am afraid of the future. Give me the faith to not be worried. God, I need your help today. That's prayer. Prayer is when it starts off to the Father, when it starts off you talking to God. That's prayer. If it stays in your mind, that's you just thinking about it. And I think Christians are better professional thinkers than we are prayer warriors. And we need to be people who pray. The Bible says it was his custom to pray. And once you get prayer, you will still go away in agony. The Bible says that the prayers, the angels showed up and began to pray and strengthen him. And he got up and went in agony. What does that mean? You're going to go back home after this message and it's not going to change. You may go away still with agony. You still got to build the business. You still got to be faithful in your marriage. You still got to be faithful in your giving. You still got to be faithful in what he calls you to do. But here's the difference. You came in a weekend, but you're going to leave strengthened. He wants to strengthen you. And the Bible says that after he was strengthened, he began to sweat. And as he sweat, he sweated blood. Now, the Bible said that he was prophesied to, sweat, to, to bleed for our sins. I don't see any scripture where he was prophesied to bleed from his stress. He bled from his stress far before he bled for our sins. It shows the power of stress. There's some people in this room, you're not in sin. You're in stress. And sometimes being in sin is way easier than being in stress because when you're in sin, you're free. You know it's wrong, but you're going to deal with it later. But when you're in stress, you can't even afford to sin. You literally can't afford it. You're like, I got to stay focused on what I'm called to do. And as I'm doing it, it's not getting easier. It's getting harder. And I thought following God was going to be easy. God never promised that. He promised that he would be with you. He didn't say that leading the family was going to be easy, but he said he would be with you. He didn't say building that business was going to be easy, but he said he was going to be with you. And you may go out today in stress. It's okay. Even Jesus went through stress. Stress and worry are not the same. I'm kind of like a smart aleck. I've been like this since I was a child. Please, you're going to have to pray for my mom just for some residual pain that I've caused. I, I was always quick with it. I was always one of those people that, that if you had something to say, I don't even care if it hurt. I would get the last word, even if I knew it was going to end the friendships. There are some friends now, as an evangelist, I look back on things I said. You ever look back on things you said and you're like, I was possessed by the devil. I don't know what was going on. I don't, I don't know why I said what I said, but there's been some things that I've said. We all can look back and see some things that we've done. But when I was looking back as a kid, I was a bad kid sometimes. I would say things that I shouldn't say. I would do things that I shouldn't do. And I would picture myself sometimes in these stories as a disciple with Jesus. Like, what kind of disciple would I be? I would be the smart aleck disciple. I would be the one that would like, challenge Jesus just here and there just for kicks and giggles just to see how far I got I can go I know he loves me how far is this going to go if I was there this night the night that he was praying this prayer when he was kneeling on the floor bleeding for tomorrow I would walk up to Jesus and say hey man well first of all get up 
You got a big day tomorrow, sir. You seem a little stressed out. You told us something a few years ago. I want to remind you of a word that you may have forgotten, son of God. In Matthew 6, you said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And then right after that verse, Jesus, your word's not mine. Don't kill the messenger now, because you're going to die tomorrow. You're the messenger, all right? You said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Jesus, are you worried? Because you seem worried. Now, we know this. Jesus would never be worried because what would God have to worry about? He would look at me and say, I'm not worried about tomorrow. It's the weight of tomorrow that's causing me to want to give up tomorrow. There's some people in this room, the reason you want to give up is because you have some weight. There's some weight to your life. There's some weight to your words. There's a weight to how you lead your family. There's a weight to how you lead your marriage. There's a weight to how you lead your family. There is a weight. The reason why it's hard is because there's a weight. It's not that you're worried. It's that it's a weight. And every Christian is going to go through a season where they want to take the weights off. And one of the things that the enemy can do is that if he can get you to disassociate what you feel with Jesus, you'll take it to the enemy. So a lot of us in this room believe this. Jesus has never felt stress. And because you think that, the devil can come in your life and say, let me be the answer to your stress. But I can show you today in scripture, Jesus felt stress. And he did not take it to perversion. He did not take it to gossip. He did not take it to a substance. It was his custom to take it to prayer. And as the piano comes up, I want to ask you a question. And this question is going to be very, very simple. And it's going to be regarding your prayer life. And it's going to be two questions. The first one, simple, is if you've ever prayed. I don't want you to raise your hand to say yes, but I just want to ask you, even for the people watching, Victoria, my wife, and all the other Victorias that are not my wife, you guys can participate as well. Do you pray? Have you ever prayed? There's probably some people in this room, I asked that question, and you thought to yourself, I'm not, I'm not a pastor. I don't probably pray at the level of these professionals, but I've prayed. I, I've said a few Hail Mary prayers. I've prayed for this person. I've prayed for that person. I, I've prayed. I'm familiar with his presence at some level, right? Like at some level, you know how to, if something happens with your mom, something happens at work, something happens for your kids, you know how to, okay, let me put on the worship music and I'm just going to pray, God, I don't know if I sound right, but God, help me out with this. I pray healing over that person. I pray for this person. I pray for that situation. I pray for this. Everyone in this room, everyone watching has probably done that. The second question I have is when was the last time you prayed for you? The first one, Oh, we all can think about that. I know the last time I prayed for a friend, I'm always praying for my friends. I'm always praying for family. It seems like someone always has something going on and we know how to pray for them. But man, even as a professional preacher and evangelist, I forget to pray for me. 
I forget to take it to God. The principle of this sermon, the revelation was not that Jesus was strengthened in prayer. The revelation, the greater revelation of this sermon was that Jesus had a custom to pray. Every day he prayed. When things were good, he prayed. And when things were bad, he prayed. And yes, he prayed for people and circumstance and provision, but he also prayed for himself. I remember I preached this message for the first time a few weeks ago. And as I preached it, I was concluding it. And the first time you preach as a preacher, it's it's very, very awkward. It's like showing people something and you don't know how they feel about it. And when you preach at the same church every week, they will help you out. Just like you'll help out Pastor Billy, you'll, you'll help out your homies. You know what I mean? It's like, we don't know where you're going, but we're going to hold you down. But when you a guest, they ain't going to hold you down. So I was kind of nervous about preaching this sermon. I didn't know if it was going to resonate. And at the end, I, I had people pray for themselves. And so I said, this is going to be such a weird, weird altar call. Who does this, right? I do it, and then I'm in the back, and I'm, I'm signing books, and this lady walks up to me. She walks up to me, and she says, I, I've been serving God for years. She says, I, I, I've been praying for my kids. I've been praying for my friends. I've been praying for money. I've been praying. She's like, I can't tell you the last time I prayed for myself. She says, I guess I just serve, serve, serve that I forget to pray for me. I pray for God for something, but I don't pray to God for myself. And I want to encourage you tonight, today, to pray for yourself. The altar call is going to be weird because I'm going to give you about one minute to pray for yourself, to pray for your marriage, to pray for your finances, to pray for your mind so you can speak life over yourself. Because if we leave it to the hands of the preachers and the pastors and the leaders and the teachers of God's word to be the people that pray, you will be devastated when those same people fall. But when you learn to do it yourself, the Bible says, I talk to this about my wife all the time. I tell her this, I said, you gotta learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Because there may not be someone to do it to you in the midnight hour. There may not be someone there when you realize what's going on with your babies. There may not be someone there when you're checking your bank account before church service and you're overdraft and you got to act like it's okay. There may not be someone there, but you got to learn to just say right there in your heart, God, I need you. I need you. I'm not going to wait for a preacher to point me out and tell me that God sees me. I know you see me. God, I need you. So if everyone could, I want you to take some time to bow your heads right here. And I want you to close your eyes, even those watching online. And for this next minute, just in your spirit, you can do it out loud or you can do it in your heart. But I just want you to have a moment of prayer with God. Whatever's on the forefront of your mind that's causing you stress, that's making you feel like you're a failure, it's making you feel like you got to give up whatever that weight is. I just, just pray for it right now. Tell God how you feel. Tell God what you need. Tell God how he can help. I know you've been thinking it, but just take a moment and pray for it.
over everybody that's in this room and listening to this message. God, I pray that you strengthen them. Even if they have to replay this prayer every day and they come to this message just for this part of this prayer, God, but I pray that you be their strength. I pray you be their strong tower. God, I thank you that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. That having done all to stand, that they will continue to stand therefore. God, I thank you that you're making them strong, that you're giving them strength, that you're giving them peace, that you're being their provision, that you're birthing life into their spirit. God, I thank you that you're bringing back the excitement of dormant dreams that the discouragement of the past will not discourage them anymore, God, because I thank you that the faith for tomorrow is going to encourage them. Lord, we thank you that the power of encouraging themselves in the Lord is going to be a present, active thing in their life. God, I thank you. And I just pray against anybody in this room that maybe, I really feel this, that you've been struggling with discouragement with the way that you see yourself. You don't want to tell anybody because you're afraid it's going to change how they see you, but you've just been struggling and you feel like a failure. The devil is a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. You are not a failure. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And he is doing a work in you. And it's just the season. He's developing you. He's speaking to you. He is doing a new work. I thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. Can we just give it up for God and the word he had? Um, what, what time is it? They hide these clocks. Y'all need to stop hiding these clocks. 12.08, what time do we end service? Well, it's the, it's the second service, so we we going to stay here till 5. <laughs> Start another stream. No, I'm joking. I just want to take uh, just a few moments just to talk about the Blackwell Edward Foundation, if you will allow me, and then we can conclude service. He's going to come up here, pray us out, and then we all can go eat. I'm so, so hungry, and so it's going to be really good to eat. The Word of God is good, but food is also good. And everyone said amen? Amen. Um, like, like he said, I started this foundation because in 2017, um, I was an intern. Uh, I was an intern. I just came on contract staff at Elevation Church. If you're familiar with that church and that ministry, um, I, I'm from that church, and that church really helped me become the man I am today. I like to tell people that when you see me on stage, you see every previous pastor that raised me, and Pastor Stephen Furtick was one of those. And I remember I was 23 years old. I was on contract staff. It was a Sunday. May 28th of 2017, and I got a phone call from my mom that my brother and my cousin was murdered in a mass shooting, and it was eight family members total that were killed, and when something like that happens in you, to you, it shifts your life. For most people, even some people in this room, it's something that you read about with Buffalo happen, happening. It was close, but it's very rare that it happens to someone personally, and for me, the mass shooting came, became something that was actually personal. It, w it wasn't something I read about. It was something that happened to me. And it happened on Sunday. My mom called me at 7. It was probably 16, 17 hours later because I'm a workaholic and I don't know how to rest. Um, I just decided to go to work the next day because when, when that happens, I don't. what do you do, you know? And before I even 
walked into the building, I got a phone call from Pastor Stephen. It was like 16 hours, and Pastor Stephen Furtick called me, which is cool. And the reason I shared this story is to show you that these mega church pastors that sometimes people throw rocks at, they don't understand that they're actually pastors and they're good people. And when they can be there, they are there. And, and I remember when it happened for me, I got a phone call from him. And then between him and a lot of people in the church and friends, people just started giving me money. I don't think they knew why they were giving me money. I think they just wanted to be there and they didn't know how to say thank you. They didn't know how to say I love you. And they were just, I'm just going to give to you and hopefully it goes to the right things. And, and it did help. In addition to that, what Elevation Church did is that they required me to go to counseling. I didn't even want to go to counseling, but I cannot go to work without going to counseling. And then on top of that, this church would actually check in on me. And I'm telling you all these different things is because all those things that they did helped me. The reason that I was able to communicate that word is because in a season that the devil could have destroyed me, the church was there to help me. And I owe a lot to that church. And over the last few years, I think God's been developing me to do that for other people. So in turn, what we're doing is that we're starting this foundation. I came here in May to be there for the families that were here that were affected. I'm actually going to be here in a few months to do a service at the chapel at Buffalo. We're going to be holding a service there for the families in the city. And what I'm doing is that I'm trying to do my best to it's one thing to have a vision that comes instantaneously. But to put together a plan that takes a long time and then to get that plan with some legs on it, that just takes money. And so we've been in the place for the last six, seven months where we put a business plan together, but now we're in a place where we're raising money to start this nonprofit. This is what I would just ask you to do, is that if, it, if anything in your heart is moved by mass shootings, not necessarily moved by emotions today, but if, you, if you're moved by it, like you know when you wanna give to something. I don't wanna give to everything. I'm gonna come out and say it. There are certain things that may move the heart of God, but they don't move my hand at all. I'll just tell you this. I'll see tears and be like, no, it ain't me, partner, you know? But then there's certain things that moves your heart. If this is something that moves your heart, I'm gonna tell you anything you decide to give would be a, a unique blessing, anything. So if that's $50, if it's $50, if it's 5,000, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Whatever God puts on your heart, I just want you to know that your giving is going to building something that can be there for people. What Elevation Church did for me, I want to do for these cities. I want to do for these churches. I want to do for these communities. And so I want you to, even if you can't give, please prayerfully give. And so what I want to do is just for people that are in this room, if you are going to give or not going to give, I want to take a moment just to pray over you and your gifts. I'm going to invite you to up, come up here and we're going to conclude service and then we're going to eat and it's going to be good. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for anybody in this room that decides to give, whether that's a donation and money or if that is prayers in their spirit. Lord, I just thank you for them, Lord. I just pray that you bless them for their gift. You bless them for their generosity and that it will come back to their home, pressed down, shaken together, running all over. Lord, we just thank you for the Blackwell Edwards Foundation, God. And I just declare you're going to do it. You're going to raise up this nonprofit in a dark hour that's going to be there for families and victims and cities and schools and everybody that's affected will get help through this foundation. Lord, we declare it and decree it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you. Can we give it up for Pastor Tyshaw one more time, please? <laughs> Truly a gift. You're a gift, man. Um, what you're doing with this is very special and it's phenomenal. So thank you.